The following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, please visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. What a joy. Would you stand all over the place? I appreciate and love you very much. We're going to get right into the Word of the Lord today. And uh, we honor you so very much. Guys, it is Valentine's. You know that. And Tuesday's coming. And uh, don't, don't expect God to do your Tuesday for you. <laughs> he does Tuesday, but don't let God do your Tuesday. I got a little funny thing I got to share with you before I go. Okay, a little funny thing, a little funny story, kind of Valentine-ish. 92-year-old man, 89-year-old woman were getting married, so they stopped in a local drugstore. And they asked the druggist, do you have any heart medicine here? The druggist said, yeah, we got plenty. He said, do you have plenty of pain pills? The druggist said, yeah, we got plenty of pain pills. He said, do you have any Bengay medicine? Said, yeah, we got plenty of that Bengay medicine. Said, do you have any liver pills? Yeah, we got liver pills. Said, do you have a walker and a cane and a wheelchair? Yeah, we got all of that. And the drug said, why do you ask this? And the 92 year old man said, we want to make this our bridal registry store. <laughs> Here's where it gets corny. She said, he said, also, sir, add preparation H to that list also. <laughs> That's when you get into the cornrows, okay? You're in the cornfield right there. We've been studying about the soul. We've been talking about the soul. How's your soul? We've been just dealing with that, and we're on it again today, and I'm very excited about it. Uh, the first week, I just talked about the puff of air, the breath of God that is our soul. And then last week, Pastor Brad, give him a hand. He did a great job last week while I was absent. He spoke on when, when the soul comes home, when the soul comes home, when you get in the presence of God, the soul longs for the presence of God. And today I'm going to talk about, and it kind of fits, it kind of goes right in with our season that we're in right now. I think it's so neat that it goes into our season. And I'm going to talk about the four elements of a healthy soul, the four elements of a healthy soul. Turn to somebody beside you and say, I hope you have a healthy soul. Would you tell them that right now? And now help me here. Everybody say, Pastor, Pastor. preach to us today. today. Let the word touch my mind. mind. Let it change my mind. mind. Preach to us today. today. Let the word touch my heart. Let Let it change my heart. heart. Preach to us today. today. Let me leave here a better person than what I was when I came in. You may be seated. God bless your awesome, awesome, awesome people. God bless you, Tulsa. 3 John is a single book. It's 1st, 2nd, 3rd John of the New Testament. It's a single book. And in verse 2, John writes, he said, Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health. As it goes well with your soul. So the Bible is saying simply, we are only as healthy and as well as our soul is well. Before I get started, I'd like to, I'd like to honor Black History Month. I'd like to honor it today. February is Black History Month. Let's give a great hand. Come on, clap your hands. I want to give honor. I want to give honor to all people today. Jesus said when a lawyer asked him one day, what's the greatest commandment? He said, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And he said, the second is namely, love your neighbor as yourself. Then he went on to tell him a story about what a neighbor was. And of course, it's the story of the Good Samaritan. And he said, on these two commandments rest all the law and the prophets. PJ and I, every now and then, 
And by the way, I'd like to share with you that today we're celebrating our 35th marriage anniversary today, right now, right now. Lord, I love that girl. But we had a, we had a, we had a date last Monday. We do some Monday afternoon dates, and uh, and so we went and saw this movie called Hidden Figures. And uh, it's a movie that took place in the 60s when segregation was just rearing its ugly head. It's a true story about three women, Katherine Johnson, Dorothy Vaughn, and Mary Jackson, who were just absolute brains. They were just over-the-top brains, especially the woman named Johnson. <laughs> they, they were human computers that became the components and proponents for the race to space back in the early, early 60s, although they went to work for NASA even before then. Brilliant minds, geometry, quantum physics, I can't even say that, mathematics and engineering, and they set the equations for the space flights of the 60s, and so they were there when Alan Shepard took his first flight on Freedom 7, and they were there when John Glenn circled the earth, and it was Mrs. Johnson who figured out the physics of how they were going to rotate him around the earth, and even though, even though he didn't go seven laps as they wanted, just went three laps, they, they, were, they were highly honored, and they, they're still honored in people's lives. And it's a little-known story, and I suggest you go see it. It's a pretty good movie. It's a great movie. In fact, I cried six to ten times, somewhere in there, you know, six to ten, because I, just, I was weeping every time I turned around. It was so amazing to me. But I want to stop and just say right now, folks, education is not the cure to the problem of America right now. Love is still the cure. And if you love the Lord God with all your heart, and you love your neighbor as yourself... You can't go around hating on anybody. Let's clap our hands because the love of God is a part and apparent in this house today. Amen. I love it. Lately, folks, I've, I've, I've tried to start eating healthier. Okay. Uh, we, we've got, a, we've got a, diet, uh, a diet doctor in our church. It's phenomenal. And, and she just has helped us so much to start eating right. We're doing this ideal protein. Patty's doing it more than I am. I'm a cheater on it, but we, we do ideal protein. I love, I love Irma Bombeck. She had rules for eating and not eating when she was on the trip, and I liked, she was a funny woman. She said this when I travel. She said, I never eat anything that I can't pronounce. And she said, beware of the food that is described as some Americans say it tastes like chicken. And she said, if, you're, if the country does not have one single head of cattle and no range and no cowboys, don't ever order beef there. She said, she said, don't be a sport when you're told how the skin of what you're eating makes wonderful shoes and handbags. Leave it alone. And she said, resist eating anything that when dropped on the floor excites a dog. Then she said, in countries where men wear red checkered tablecloths on their head, don't order Italian. Don't order Italian. I like her. I was, I, I was raised in West Texas and, and there was two kinds of cereal in our house. Raisin Bran and Cheerios. And uh, I went in my pantry the other day. I went home after Wednesday night to kind of get me something to snack on. And I opened the pantry and there was Raisin Brands and Cheerios. But I progressed to Honey Nut Cheerios. I'm into Honey Nut Cheerios. I like Honey Nut. Because that sugar will mess you up, you know, so I like Honey Nut. Some things never change. Mama, mama believed in potassium. I don't know why she was just a potassium mama. She thought her, her kids needed potassium. She said, if you don't take potassium, you'll go crazy. And so you don't, I don't want you to lose your mind. So I want you to, she'd put a banana in our, in our lunch pail every day. And, and if we, it wasn't eaten, of course, sometime I think my brother gave his to his buddies. But I ate mine every day because I, wanted, I didn't want to go crazy. 
She loved potatoes. But somebody told me recently that a banana is like drinking a Coca-Cola. It's just solid sugar. You've come too late to dis- dissuade me. <laughs> I'm going to keep eating a banana. You understand that? You come to my house, there's bananas on the, on the shelf. I'm not, uh, okay. I never ate rice at home, folks. We never had rice. We're West Texas, never had rice. We had potatoes and gravy, never had rice. And that potatoes and gravy made this body what it is. <laughs> But when I, started, when I started evangelizing, when I started preaching in, in, my, in my second year of college, I started my ministry, and, and I'd go, I went into Louisiana and went into some areas, and, and that's all they ate. And I asked one time, do y'all ever eat potatoes? Do y'all ever eat potatoes? No, we don't, son. We eat rice. This is Louisiana. So I had to learn to eat it. So, so I learned how to eat white rice. And then somebody told me that white rice was not good for you, so I started eating brown rice. And then I read just the other day that it's probably better to eat white rice. So I'm not going to eat either one of them. I'm starting to eat fried rice. <laughs> I got tickled at that myself. I'm like that old man that was on the, <laughs> on the train one day, and a little old guy was on the other side, a young man. He was watching. This little old man was over at He just every now and then just starts laughing, snickering. And in a moment, he just laughed out loud. And so the young man said, sir, I got to ask you, what are you doing? He said, well, when I get by myself and on a train or something traveling, he said, I tell myself jokes. <laughs> and he said, well, you laughed out loud a while ago. He said, yeah, I never heard that one. <laughs> you know, so then I, then, then, you know, I would eat bread. I, I believe in bread. I believe that man cannot live by bread alone, but I like to sure try it every day. And I just don't think a meal is complete without bread. So I ate white light bread, light bread, you know, white bread. Somebody said, the whiter the bread, the sooner dead. So I started eating wheat bread. And now they're saying that maybe you ought to go back. Now, if somebody starts talking about ice cream real soon, I'm going to quit watching TV. I'm going to shut it off. I'll never hear advertisements again because you're not going to take that away from me. The fast is over, folks. Last night I was at home and Patty was over in her chair and I made sure she wasn't looking back. And I went to the refrigerator and in the freezer department I saw a little pint of bluebell vanilla. And I pulled it out and I had one little spoon, not a big spoon, a little spoon, and I just kind of dug in and I checked and checked. Because I'm the man of the house, you understand that. Hey, dip with that bluebell. I put it back in there, way at the back, so she won't ever look. <laughs> then I confessed it this morning, she's sitting over there. That's how it goes. But if I can get confused about this health of my physical body, I may be confused sometimes about what's going on on the inside. Here's a question. How does your soul prosper? How does it prosper? How can my soul be healthy? The Bible says in Genesis chapter 2, and my whole, my whole context today will be from Genesis 2, and you can follow me along. The Bible said, the Lord formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils a breath of life, and man became a living soul. Now, we talked about two weeks ago about, about the soul. We talked about how's your soul, and we, we introduced that breath of air because that's what a soul is. It's the breath of God in us. God breathed into us. We're the only thing that he did not speak into existence. He created us. He spoke everything else into existence, but he created us. And he breathed into man the breath of life and he became a living soul. 
And with that soul, God told Adam, I want you to have dominion. In other words, I don't want things overwhelming you that you ought to be overwhelming in. I don't want you to live on the bottom side of life. I want you to live on the top side of life. I want you to understand, Adam, I'm giving you dominion over all the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and the fowls. And I want to give dominion over all the beasts of the field. Everything is going to be under you. You're going to name them all and they're going to listen to you. And, 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 and here's what it is. Here's why it is. Because you are a living soul. You possess God's breath. Everybody say, wow. wow. That's, pretty, that's pretty stout. Now, one thing I want to stress here. I want to stress this. Don't ever underestimate, folks, the value of environment. I want all our young people to hear me. If you have Christian parents that are raising you, you ought to get up every morning and play the trombone as loud as you can and beat the drum as loud as you can and march around the house and say, I am a child of people that have been saved by the grace of God. It's a time that we need to understand that the environment of our home is so important to everything that we do. It's so important. You ought to get up every day. Now, don't do that because your daddy will say, oh, pastor, encourage you to play the trombone. And son, you can't play it. And he encourage you to play the drum and you can't beat it. And oh, son, hush that. But just be happy. But I love the fact that we can come to church on Sunday morning. And we can be in the environment of the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that an awesome thing? Isn't that, isn't that pretty good? That's a pretty good deal to be able to walk in here and hear the music and clap our hands and rejoice and say, you know what? God inhabits the praise of his people and he's in the house right now. Never underestimate the value of your environment. God placed Adam in a garden called Eden, a perfect place, the greatest environment on earth. Adam's first environment was what we call perfection. It was awesome. So God produces a living soul, then places that living soul into a perfect place because the soul also needs health. The soul needs health. So because the soul needs health, I'm going to give you four elements that bring health to a soul. Number one is simply the element of what I call rest. Everybody say rest. Wow. That's so deep, isn't it? Rest. Genesis 2 and 9. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant. Everybody say pleasant. pleasant. To the sight and good for food. Adam, the first thing I want you to do when you get up, son, after I've created you, is to look at the trees. Boy, he'd fit in Austin, wouldn't he? We're tree huggers here. Look at the trees, Adam. Every one of them are great for fruit and great for food. And Adam, I want you to look at the trees. I want you to enjoy what you have. And I want you to eat the fruit thereof. I want you to rest. There is something about this word called rest that needs to be talked about in life. Because it's the first one I will preach about. Trees are good. Food tastes good. Adam, observe the trees. Taste the fruit. Matthew 11, Jesus made this statement. Come unto me, all you that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your soul. Amen. Thank you. Everybody say, Jesus, Jesus. Is, the is the perfect garden. He's awesome. There's nobody like him. On the seventh day of creation, the Bible said God rested from his labor. If physically we need a Sabbath, then I think our soul needs a Sabbath also. I think there's time when we just need to have some soul rest. 
And we just need to exhale and say, God, I'm just going to rest my soul today. I'm physically rested, but I want to rest my soul. See, a navigator needs a north star, and a builder needs a plumb line, and a mathematician needs a square root, and a musician needs a fixed note. But we who believe, even in this hectic world, need a sanctuary. We need a place where we can go. We, used to, we called it when we t- talked on prayer, a war room. We talked about a place where we can go and just get away from the hustle and bustle. Because it's not physical tiredness that we are feeling sometimes. It's soul tiredness. We have a tired soul. And sometimes you just got to come apart before you come apart. And you got to say, soul, take your rest. I'm going to rest in the Lord Jesus Christ today. Come on, clap your hands real big because that's important. We are a busy Busy people. We're too busy. I'm not talking about physically busy. I'm talking about spiritually busy. We're living frenzied lives, folks. We're living frenzied lives. Sometimes our hair bespeaks how our heart is. It's frenzied. It won't do. We're worrying about this. We're stressed about that. We're frazzled about tomorrow. We're living in anxiety. We're overwhelmed with life. You know what I'm talking about. And so you do this. You can't chew enough fingernails and toenails. So you start biting your skin. That's going to come off. You know how many times the word worry is used in the Bible? 13 times. You know how many times trust is used in the Bible? 126 times. You know how many times faith is used in the Bible? 270 times. You know how many times believe is used in the Bible? 226 times. You know how many times love is used in the Bible? 551 times. Why don't you start having a little trust and a little faith and a little believe? And why don't you start falling in love with Jesus Christ and get some worry out of your life and get some anxiety out of your life and get some soul rest? Your soul needs rest. In fact, of those 13 times, 11 of them is say, don't worry. And one of them says, why do you worry? And the last one says, tomorrow will worry about itself. But here's what I've determined. A restless soul says, I'm in charge. While a rested soul says, I'm going to trust God. I had big old come help me one Wednesday night not long ago and we were we were here discussing this word called trust and big O was an offensive lineman, played professionally. And he he was he was awesome. He was what made Ricky Williams famous because he blocked on the left side. But the bottom line is simply this, that I, I, has, I said, Octavius, I'm just going to fall back and you just catch me, son. I never look back and I just fail. Guess what? He caught me. So I did it again and I fell a little further than I thought I was and he caught me again. He had backed up on me. But he never dropped me. And if I can put my trust in that kind of young man who is a human being, what kind of trust should I put in a God of heaven? And say, Lord, I'm just going to rest in you today. I think we need some rest in our life. Arbitrarily, we need, to make, we need to make some margins in our life. We need to build margins. We need to say, you know what? I'm not going to let that fret me. I'm not going to let that frazzle me. I'm not going to let that upset me. I'm going to get rest in God because I trust him implicitly in my life. Clap your hands and rejoice to that. The second element of a well soul. I'm going to say it like it is. You've got to get a job. It's called responsibility. It's also in Genesis chapter 2. The Lord took the man and put him in the garden. Watch this now. To work it and to keep it. 
The first man that God ever created, he said, I'm going to give you a job. That's funny. Now, you've, walked, you've seen the trees and you've ate the fruit. Now, get a job. Get a job. It's time to get a job. I love that. God's into job getting. And if you really want a job and you ask God, he'll find you a job. There's some people who want a job, but they don't want to work. The only place that success comes before work is in the dictionary. If God raised up the man Adam and said, get a job, he wants us to take responsibility in our life. Because when you work, I used to, I used to love, when I was in college, I worked 40 hours and carried 15 to 18 hours. I'm not the smartest thing, but I'm not the dullest bulb either. But I used to work 40 hours and I loved it. I loved it because I'd go to bed tired and I didn't have a lot to worry about. I was just physically tired, but my soul felt refreshed because I had done my duty. See, another word for work simply means to serve. So I served the people that I was working for and I honored them. And Jesus, when he came, he didn't come, he didn't come to be served, but he came to serve. And if almighty God put Adam to work on his first day alive, and Jesus didn't come to serve, to be served, but to serve. I think all of us need to work and put our hands to something because anything your hands find to do, you need to do it with all your might because it means I'm serving somebody and it's not really blessing them like it's going to bless you because when you serve somebody, you bless yourself because you feel good about yourself because you did something prosperous that day. Come on now, come on now, I'm preaching to you. That's some good stuff. I helped a lot of people in my life, but the one I helped the most is me. You know, when I go home, somebody said, Pastor, you get tired preaching? Yeah, I get tired. You know what gets tired? These feet. They get tired. I could preach six times a day, but my feet says, uh-uh, you're not going to do that. But I, 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 you know, when I go home, no matter how bad I preach, no matter how good I preach, when I go home, I always feel like, wow, I'm blessed today. I got people with IQs that are off the chart and they get to hear the gospel because you've asked me to preach to them. And I got people that are scratching to get on top and they come hurting and bruised and broken and I get to preach the gospel to them. And I got families that come dysfunctional to church on Sunday and, and I can put their lives together by a simple word of God and hallelujah. It's not you that I'm blessing. I get blessed because God uses my work to produce the things that he wants to produce in this thing called the garden of life. Amen. And so the joy of the journey is not what I'm doing to them, but what I get to have in my own life because I become a responsible human being. My daddy, my daddy was a great man and he had this phrase and I wrote it down. He said, we, we were dry land farmers and he said, son, let your hand get accustomed to that hoe handle. I want you to understand and learn the joy of work. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. Laziness. Laziness just don't work in God's kingdom. You got to get up. If you want rest for your soul, if you want a, a healthy soul, you need to go to work. Because you're serving somebody when you're working in the kingdom of God. Clap your hands and rejoice in that. The third element. Am I doing all right? I'm fixed to preach to you now, okay? The third element of soul health, Jesus, or God said in Genesis chapter 2, and the Lord God commanded the man saying, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, 
But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. Healthy souls not only need rest. But they need restriction. You need to have a restrictor plate on your engine. You need to have a governor in your life. And that's what the soul's about. I've had people ask me, Pastor, why did God put that one tree in the garden? Why did he put that tree there? And I used to have a hard time answering that. But then I read, and I just read it again. You may surely eat of every tree. Folks, there were so many trees in that garden. And there was four rivers that flowed out of that garden. And riverbanks always have tons of trees. And they were rivers. They weren't just streams. And Adam could walk through the garden all day, say, hi, tree, hi, tree. Hi, how you doing? Hey, orange man, how you doing over there? Hey, brother, apple brother, how are you? Hey, banana brother, that's my tree, amen. <laughs> hey, how you doing over there, Mr. Pear man? How you doing? And Attic would walk through all, there were trees everywhere. There were trees everywhere. And here's what I want to tell you. Remember this, God gave lots of permission before he gave one exception. God gave a lot of permission before he gave one exception. But people want the tree that they invariably cannot have. I want to I declare something to you. I want to declare something to you. The reason he put that tree there was because love demands a choice. 35 years ago today, I made a choice. And I married Patty. I'm going to bring her up after a while. Y'all get, get a glimpse of it over 35 years later. Boy. <laughs> My love was not a feeling. It was a choice. Now, the feeling of love may have run thin in our lives, especially hers, having to put up with me. But our choice has never changed. We are in love with one another. I was, I was doing gospel work back in the 80s and I was in California and I was going to spend another day and I called her and said, baby, I'm going to be another day here. I, I just got to, I'm with this group of pastors and we, we want to do another day. And, and she said, hmm. That love got thin. But she said, honey, it's time for you to quit being a preacher and coming home and being a daddy and a husband and a pastor. Well, I got on the plane in San Francisco and flew all night <laughs> and got here at seven o'clock in the morning and came to church with no sleep because I made a choice 35 years ago. By the way, I'm the man of the house. Sometimes you got to have a no in your life. A healthy soul, listen to me, needs a no button. Because hell wants you to say yes to everything. Paul said all things are lawful to me, but all things are not expedient to me. And I won't be brought under the power of any of them. Ooh, I love that. 
If you're being brought under the power of something that's not a God thing, you need to start having a no in your soul. You need to say, "Uh uh-uh, no more. And it might be as simple as watching the wrong thing on television. You never thought I'd preach about television, but I'm going to do it right now. But TV can be a time consumer. It can be a lazy maker. It can become a lazy boy. You don't even need a recliner. You got a lazy boy with with that remote in your hand. It can be one hour to three hours to six hours to 10 hours. And before you know it, your eyes won't even focus anymore. Because you watch it. Sometimes you need to know on that. And something else we need to know on is social media. Because you know what social media does? It makes us realize and think they're my friend because they liked what I said. They liked it. Oh, God. He liked it. The old boy said, man, I tell you what, I, all them hundred likes that I got, that one really counted. Oh, that woman liked what I said. I think I'm going to ask her out for coffee. No, she's just being nice. <laughs> you need to have a restrictor on your soul. Yes. I got one, desserts. <laughs> BB, Bluebell. <laughs> I put a restrictor on my soul. I'm just eating spoonfuls now instead of bowlfuls. I'm going backwards, but I'm trying my best to put a restrictor because I want to have an ability to say no in my life. Let me tell you, parents, you've got to learn that word for your children also. Kids need to understand that there's another word besides yes in the family, and it's called no, because kids love the safety of parents that take care of them and say, no, not now, maybe later, but not now. Come on, that's good preaching. That's good stuff. You need a no in your life. You need some restriction in your life. You need some no. You need some no in your relational boundaries. There's friends that'll take you to where you don't want to go. You need no in your job boundaries. There's some people on your job that don't want to do anything that they're big enough and they want to bring you in because if they bring you in, then they're validating their own sin. But you got to say no, no, no. There's some no's. I love when Nancy Reagan, I know it sounds so dumb now, many years later, but she said when the drug culture came, just say no. And they laughed her and they mocked her. But that's a great phrase to say sometime in your life. Just say no. No more. No more. Come on. That's good. No more. No more. No more. Boundaries in my life. And I close today with a thing called the fourth. The fourth element of a healthy soul is simply relationships. You got to have the proper relationships. You know, there's a difference in having acquaintances and having somebody who is in your world and having a true friend. A true friend is someone that loves you at all times, no matter what you do. A true friend will tell you the truth in love. And a true friend will walk in when others walk out. That's a friend. And Jesus said, there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Friendship can be greater than your own relatives. Wow. I had an old pastor years ago when I was a young minister and he was the the, the pastor emeritus at a particular church that I pastored. And he said, son, at the end of your life, if you've got five real true friends, five real true friends, he said, you'll be a lucky, lucky man. You know, the older I live, the more I realize that. I've got a lot of acquaintances. I've got a lot of people that just think I'm all right. 
but there's not a lot of friends in all of our lives. And when you find a friend, you better hang on to a friendship. You better water that friendship. You better cultivate that friendship. You better get the weeds out of that friendship because friendships don't come along every day. They're not on clusters on corners waiting to be picked up. Friendships are awesome. And then there's, a, then there's a friendship that's even closer than friendship, and that's mateship. That's who you choose to do life with. That's your wife. That's your husband. That's the person in your world that just absolutely overwhelms you. What time is it here? I've got to make sure I'm all right. I'm out of time. I'm out of time. Can I go two more minutes? Let me check that clock back there. Hang on. I don't need a hand clap. <laughs> I woke up this morning. Is my sweetheart here? You here, baby? Where you at? Come here, baby. Come here, sweetheart. Come here. I want to show her off. This is my girl that I chose 35 years ago. Come here, baby girl. girl I'm going to get all mushy now but I went I went to the place where I put all my stuff and this morning this pink card was there and I didn't have to know who it was from it's dark and I picked up this pink card and my girlfriend had written this <laughs> babe the past 12,775 days being your wife has been the best of my life. Yeah. Each of the 1,825 weeks has brought me such joy and happiness. All the 420 months have held more than I could ever dream would be possible. I'm not sure how 35 years has come and gone so quickly, maybe because we have had more ups than downs and more highs than lows and more gains than losses and more smiles than tears can't read because I'm crying. I love our life together and all God has blessed us with. You will always be my forever love. That's a choice. And I look forward to many more days, weeks, months, and years being totally in love with you. I love you. PJJ. Now, I'm going to put a bow on this right now. Here's the bow. That you need rest in your soul. You need responsibility in your life. You need restrictions in your spirit. And you need relationships in your world. And if you have a wonderful relationship in your home, you better get up and blow the trombone in the morning. Because hell's trying to destroy every great relationship he can in this world by making us restless souls and people that cannot find answers. In Jesus' name, I seal this word today to you 
and let you know that we can have healthy souls in our lives today. Thank you, baby. Thank you, baby. We need his righteousness. We need his grace. Second Corinthians 5 said, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I close today telling you simply that we need healthy souls in our lives. We need health. We need health. Real health. I'm going to ask you to stand because it's time to close and my preaching is going over.